Let's do it. automotive questions you might have, why don't you go ahead and give us a call. And we got all our lines wide open. Just go ahead and give us a call. We'll put you right at the top of the list. That's right. Right now is the perfect time to call, too. That's right. We can get your questions answered in depth today, as long as you call us before 11 o'clock. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> or a couple minutes before 11 yeah, o'clock, anyway. <laughs> that'll do it. If you happen to find something out later... During the day after the show's gone off the mm-hmm. air. or Question occurred to you. Maybe something during the week. You can always visit the website. Questions answered there. The address is www.agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. There's a contact bar on every page. You can send Lewis an email any time of the day or night. He'll get it back to you within 24 hours. And if you don't get a reply from me, it's generally one of two things that has happened. Either the wrong return address. I know three times this week I sat down, wrote out a reply, hit the button, and a minute later pops back address unknown or something to that effect. And that's real easy to do. Well, yeah, you can't in a whole bunch of characters. If you hadn't got an answer back from me, check that reply address and go ahead and resend it because I don't ever ignore an email. Right. Second thing is if you don't go to the website, in other words, let's say you had sent me something previously, maybe three months ago, and you saved me in your address book favorites of your address book if you send something to that address i will not receive it right simply because it has to come from the website for me to receive it we just get so much spam we're just inundated with it we couldn't even read all the replies so what we do is we've got a program if that email address is not generated by that website it's just discarded it never gets to me so be sure you use a new form each and every time. Go to the site and fill out a new form each and every time. That way it will definitely get to me, and I will definitely get a reply to you. Generally, if you hadn't received a reply within 24 hours, it's going to be one of those two things. So check that and go ahead and send it again. While you're on that site, too, you might want to look around. The detailed topic section, tremendous amount of information. Put one in there this morning on thermostats. That's something you don't think a whole lot about until you, you got a problem. You don't. And most people, when they think of a thermostat, they think of the engine overheating, a stuck exactly. thermostat. And that is one thing that can happen. However, a thermostat can also wear out or just get weak or stick open, which is one of the leading causes of poor gas mileage. Exactly. Because the, the engine is still cold. Right. And it double pulses the injector, adding more fuel to the engine, which is eventually using more fuel. Not only that, but you're using more fuel to prematurely wear your engine out. Because all that additional fuel is, number one, washing all the lubrication off the cylinder walls. And number two, going into your catalytic converter, which can end up burning it up. Right. So you're wasting money to waste money. <laughs> and it <laughs> well, can be you're wasting fixed. money to cause, and causing damage and in the process. And causing a lot of damage, right. So that's one thing a lot of folks don't think about what thermostat and of course there's lots of other things but pop on there read that article may save you a whole bunch of money of course there's tons of other things you can do on there you may have heard our new commercial and that's part of a series of commercials right automotive idol commercials and you'll be able to go on the site. You can read a biography of each of the Automotive Idol contestants, and which you, are cars singing about Agco. <laughs> and you can listen to the entire song, the which entire is... The entire song is with online. The, with the commercial, it's just a clip out of the song. It's a short clip, but the entire song is online. And then you can vote for your favorite contestants every day. That's uh, cool. Can't vote more than once a day because it doesn't want anybody just sitting there loading it up. But So we're going to have a finale at the end of the season? Oh, absolutely. Season? Absolutely. Season finale. <laughs> so pop on there, see what you think. I think you'll really like it. It's www.agco. A-U-T-O.com. That's agcoauto.com. And we're going to our phone lines with Gerald. Good morning, Gerald. 
Uh, yeah, I got a 94 Pontiac Firebird okay. V6. Yes, sir. Every now and then, it, it feels like an old Chevy with the timing too far advanced. It's just very, very slow crank. Okay. I'll turn the key off and then turn the key back on. Uh-huh, and it does okay. It'll start up. And Gerald, that is almost always going to be something filing up in the distributor. That has no, a distributor on it, but it's... No, 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 it doesn't. It just has the car packs. Really? Uh, an 84 or 94? 94, 94. 94, okay. Okay, 94, yeah. yeah. Okay. On that one, let me think for a second how it operates. It's got a crank sensor that fires that. What I would want to do, Gerald, is first test the starter and make sure it's not like weak brushes in the starter or something to that effect, because that will give you the exact same effect. And can I, can I go ahead. that on yes. the car with uh, like a... Uh, if you have the equipment, you can. What you want to do is, number one, check the amount of amperage that the starter's pulling, and a good healthy starter is going to be... Between about 120 and maybe up to 200 amps, anything over that, you got a problem. Second thing would take a digital lab scope. You'd have to read a pattern on the input cranking volts while it's cranking, and that would tell you if you got an erratic problem. One last country boy thing you might just try, Gerald. It, can you get to the starter on the engine pretty easy? It's kind of hard. Got to take the exhaust off to pull it. Yeah, pull yeah. Because I was gonna say, if you could, what you could do while it's cranking slow, just take like a little light ball peen hammer, just tap that starter, and see if it starts cranking fast. Because what happens if the brushes are not fully seated, they will crank slow, just like advanced timing. And if you just tap it, it kind of seats them temporarily, and it'll speed up. Just kind of a diagnostic procedure. But I would try those things. One or two other things, too, Gerald. Make sure those cables are in good, good shape. You could do a voltage drop test. That's where you put a voltmeter from the battery to the starter and then crank it and see if it reads voltage because that's what's flowing around the cable. Right. If you got excessive voltage flowing around your cable, you could have a bad cable. And I know a lot of times people look at them and say, oh, they look great. Well, you can't look at a cable and tell because acid can wick up in it. You can get a loose connection on either end. There's lots of things that can happen to a cable, and we fix an awful lot of those problems with stuff like that as well. Yep. All righty. Okay, thanks a lot. Okay, Jerry. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, if you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would love to have you. And we've got Doug on line. Good morning, Doug. How's it going? Yeah, great, sir. Good morning. I'm looking to get a pre-2007 Suburban. Okay. And I've noticed they got several with they have E85 engines or whatever. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. Flex fuel. Uh, Most of them are. Do they have problems or... No, uh, not at all. The way Chevrolet did that, particularly on the later model stuff, it's all invisible to the driver. There's no extra hardware. It's all done with software. Yeah. So what it is, the engine is just efficient enough to where when you put E85 in there, it can detect it, and it just automatically makes changes. Not like on some of the Fords, you had a sensor that would detect the amount of alcohol in the fluid and all that stuff, but there's really nothing that you can see external to the engine. It's all built into the engine design, but... I got to say, on every one of those we've ever worked on, which is probably 20 or 30 a week, I don't think we've ever had trouble with that system. No, I'm driving one right now. It's got 65,000 miles on it. Now, I don't know that I'd put the 85 in it, but yeah. <laughs> it is capable of that, you know. Well, I've, I've heard that they're going to government okay E85 gas now. Well, it's been okay. Selling Baton Rouge right. right now, yeah. It's just you can only put it in a car that's designed to work with it. The problems with E85, you got to remember, ethanol has 33% less energy than gasoline. Right. So when you put 85% ethanol, you're going to lose roughly 28% of your mileage, which is going to eat up the difference in price plus some. Right. Now, the car is capable of running on it, so if an emergency came, that's all you could get. Yeah, you could drive it, which is kind of sort of a nice feature, but I don't know that I would actually use it. That's just yeah. my opinion. Right. Because it'll run on just fine on gasoline as well. 
Okay, what I was talking about was the government okay fifteen percent alcohol and uh they yeah, do away with the ten percent. Right, and the car companies are really balking at that because ten percent you can kinda sort of get by with in almost any car. When you start going to fifteen or more, you're really starting to get into some cloudy areas. Right. You start getting some problems. I can't say most, but an awful lot of the newer vehicles are flex fuel enabled. I mean that's been on that's been out for quite a number of years now. Yeah. Alrighty. Okay, thank you. Okay, Doug. Thank you, man. Bye. All right, you want to be part of the Automotive Hour? And we got Mitch on the line. Good morning, Mitch. Hey, how you doing? Doing great, sir. Good morning. I have two questions. Sure. One, I have a humming noise from the left front wheel. Okay. The, the wheel has a little bit better playing, so I figure mm -hmm. it's a bearing. Probably is, yes, sir. So, at the bearing. Mm -hmm. How hard, uh, is there any little secrets that you do? Nah, it's on, pretty uh, much a piece of cake, Mitch. Is that two-wheel drive? Yeah, two-wheel drive. Yeah, it's pretty much a piece of cake. You take the brake caliper off take the rotor off and then you're going to see three bolts in there big bolts you take those three bolts off and then the whole assembly comes off you got to be a little careful because a lot of them have anti-lock brakes and they got a sensor that plugs in you don't want to get rough with that sensor because you can break the wires in it pretty easy a lot of those new bearings will come with the sensor already right, into it right. so all you do is just follow the wiring harness up to the plug unplug it unclip it off the suspension take the three bolts out and take it off then you take okay. the take the shield off the back of it because it's going to have a little dust shield put it on the new one Make sure you route the wire through it correctly, and then put it back on, tighten the bolts back up, put the caliper bracket and the caliper back on, and the yep. wheel, and you're ready to go. Pretty simple. There's not a whole lot to it. Oh, good, good. Just got to make sure those three bolts have a torque spec somewhere around 130 to 150 pounds, so you want to make sure you get them bolts tight because that's all that's holding the bearing and the wheel on. If that comes off, the wheel comes off. Right. <laughs> Which okay. ain't pretty. Well, good. I'm glad it's simple because I'm simple-minded. There you go. The other question is, I know Lewis is going to get really peeled about uh -oh. this. Been out of work for a long time. Mm -hmm. Haven't changed my all in about four months. Okay. Uh, five months. Mm -hmm. So I know probably some gummy stuff in there. Is, mm -hmm. there. is there anything I need to do before I change you off? I know there's stuff out there supposed to clean no, that. Don't, don't put do any that. of that in there. That's going to cause you way, way more problems. All you want to do in that thing, Mitch, go drive it, get it good and hot, jack it up, and pull the plug out. And while the plug's out and the drain pan's under it, Go in the house and get you a bologna sandwich or whatever you want to do. Let it drip for an hour or more. till it quits dripping. till it just quits dripping, which is going to be a long time on a cold day like today. Right. The longer it drips, the more of that crud that's going to come out because that stuff is real thick, and it takes it a long time. And if you pull the plug out and then when it quits running, just put the plug back in, you're doing yourself a real disservice. And that's one of the biggest problems with all these quick lube places. I mean, they change all in five minutes, ten minutes. You know, it takes an hour or more for that stuff to drip out of there. So, I mean, it wouldn't hurt to even take it out this afternoon late and let it drip all night. It's not going to hurt anything. But the, the longer you okay. can leave that dripping, then that's it. Now, the only thing you can do as far as preventing problems is on the next change, you might want to change a little bit earlier than 3,000 just because oil is going to have detergent. Nothing will clean that engine better or safer than hot oil. That is the that's, safest that's and the reason, best cleanser That's the you reason got. to take it out and drive it and get it good and right. hot. Take a just, few long trips in it. Yeah, just be careful when you drain it because that oil is going to be hot. Right. And stay away from the exhaust manifold because they're usually, the pipes right there by the drain plug usually. Oh, I know. Um, I know. And, I, I have the scars to prove it. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> get you a good factory filter and put back on it. Right. And like Lewis said, change it a little earlier next time and you ought to be in good shape. Yep. Okay, appreciate it. Okay, yes, sir. 150,000 miles on it, and it's been taking care of me, so. Okay, so, there you go. Sounds good, man. Thank okay, you. Thanks. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, we got to take a quick little break, but Steve and Bruce, you guys hang on. You'll be straight up after this break. 
Ryan Sebring here, and welcome to Agco's Automotive Idol, where singing cars compete for your votes. Give it up for MC Powertrain. Oh, this one goes out to the drivers who forget about preventative maintenance. You know, you got to take a car in regularly or have problems down the road. You'll see, when it comes to maintenance, got to take a stand. Prevention is the word at hand, so keep your car in tune, show the road who's boss, because that goes down with the overall lowest cost. I said A to the G to the C and O and go is the place to go. A to the G to the C and O and go is the place to go. Keep it real, MC Powertrain, and visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O auto.com to hear entire songs performed by all our contestants. Then vote on your favorite. And remember, for vehicle fixed right the first time for the overall lowest cost, Agco is the place to go. Welcome back. Please join us. This is the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between the two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? And we got Steve's been patiently holding. Good morning, Steve. Hey, Louis. Hey, Brian. Good morning. Hey, I've got a question. Actually, it's for my brother. He's sure. got a 2005 Dodge van, mm-hmm. and he's got a problem with it. Light came on, and it said a code 306. Okay. A misfire on cylinder six. Yes, yes. That's, that's what mm-hmm, he said mm-hmm. they di- diagnosed mm-hmm. yes. it as. Mm-hmm. He doesn't seem to be able to get that problem resolved. It uh, shouldn't be that difficult. I mean, it must not be in the right place. That's, yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, he's got a mechanic working on it or shop? Supposedly. Wow. I mean, that just can't it's be that fairly difficult. Fairly simple, yeah. There's basically only three or four things in general that can make that code occur. Number one would be something in the ignition, like a bad plug or a bad call or something like that. Uh-huh. Now, that's a piece of cake because all you have to do is take the call and plug off of number six and move it over to, say, number five and see if the misfire moves. Uh-huh. That's falling down simple. Second thing would be fuel, which would be like a clogged injector or something. Again, you can take number six injector, move it to number five, and see if the misfire moves. Third thing would be a timing issue where it's not setting timing properly. That's a little more difficult, but... You'd have to have a lab scope and check the pulse on the injector and all that, make sure it's pulsing at the proper time. And the fourth thing, which is probably the least common and most serious, would be loss of compression in that cylinder. And again, <laughs> with a compression gauge, you can tell that. Yeah. If you've got 220 pounds of compression in the other seven cylinders and 140 in that one, then obviously we got a problem here. Just can't imagine that being a real difficult code to diagnose. Well, I, he's out of state, so I don't know who, who he's bringing it to. Well, what he needs to do, Steve, is probably go to my website and look. There's an article on the front page, How to Select a Great Shop. Just read that article and see if it sounds an awful lot like the stuff I say don't do is where he's at. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Basically, they got a big old menu board up there like McDonald's with services listed. He's probably in the wrong place. He needs to find somebody who can diagnose it because that's next to just a dead card. It won't start. Because you know, a dead man's real easy to diagnose. Yeah. I mean, that's probably one of the easiest diagnoses we do. Yeah. One other thing about that, Lewis, it set that code on December the 31st of mm-hmm. last year. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. How, how long will it store that code if it's undisturbed? Just depends, Steve. Got- Something, if the problem does not occur again, it may get rid of it after a period of time. If so the many problem cycles. continues to recur, it's going to keep it in there forever. Okay. Or until the battery's disconnected. Yeah, and until if, you disconnect the battery. If you disconnect the battery, you've lost all the data that the technician needs to fix the Correct. vehicle. Correct. You know, all the freeze frame data will be gone. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, he said he brought it into a shop on the 4th of, of 
this month, and they said the code wasn't in there anymore. Hmm. That's um, something. Well, but again, now it's not occurring. In other words, it's not missing right now. Uh-huh. I would probably just sort of kind of wait and see if it comes back, and I'm more than sure it will. If it set a PO300, that would be a general misfire code. Uh-huh. Now, that can kind of come and go because that could be something like bad gas went through the car and, and got out or anything. It, it affects all the it cylinders. It affects all the cylinders equally, Correct. so it'll be a general misfire. Yeah. But a specific misfire on a single cylinder is generally not going to go away. That's going to come back. Right. Okay. Well, he says he's got an ongoing problem with it. You know, when he turns the air conditioner on, he mm-hmm. can feel a miss. Okay. And yeah. when he turns the air conditioner off, it goes away. Yeah, it just loads and unloads right. the engine, just shows it up. That should be up. easy enough to, to find. Right. They should be able to power brake the engine and simulate the same situation where they just put it in gear with their foot on the brake and give it a little gas. That loads the engine the same way, and that should simulate the same problem, I would think. I mean, I would probably get it to somebody else and let them look at it and see, because I can't imagine that being that difficult a problem to find. Uh, he's in the country, so mm-hmm. I'm going to get him to go to your website. There you go. That would be perfect. Do that. All righty. Okay, thanks, Lou. Okay, Steve. Thank you, man. Bye-bye. All right, if you want to be part of the automotive hour, we'd love to have you. And we've got Bruce online. Good morning, Bruce. Lewis. Uh, yes, sir. i got a question. I've got a 96 Ford uh, motorhome with yes, a 460 engine. Okay. The starter has a, every once in a while, it won't start. Okay. i got plenty of charge on the battery, and I have an auxiliary mm. battery. Yeah, when you say it doesn't start, Bruce, you mean it won't crank or anything? It's like it's dead? Well, uh, you can hear the solenoid clicking. Click, but it won't start. The motor won't, won't spin over. over. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Bruce, you might want to check on a 96. It's probably got a separate solenoid on that, which is that little round thing with the two big wires pointing out and the two little wires pointing out. Right, on top of the uh, Up on the fender. Or... It'll be on the fender well on somewhere. Fender well. Yes, okay. sir. Ford got away from that, but I think 96 still had that separate solenoid. The later model was the solenoid built into the starter. If it's okay, got that, hear it click. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but if it's got that solenoid and it doesn't make good contact, it's not going to energize the star. It doesn't have enough energy to pull it in. So, okay, and if it don't have that solenoid? If it doesn't have that, then it would more likely be something inside the starter itself. Okay, because it's a fairly new starter. Yeah, but that doesn't mean, that anything, don't mean anything anymore, especially if it's a rebuilt starter, which it has to be because they don't sell new starters. Boy, I tell you, it's gotten, Bruce, where it's almost hard to find good parts. Even if you yeah. go back to the Ford dealer, you may have to go through one or two to find a good one. We're turning away probably eight to ten parts a week. New this parts. From brand spanking new out of the box from the dealer doesn't even meet their specs. Right. Is right, there right out of the box. determine if it's good or not? Well, there's some you tests some you can tests. do. How often does this occur? It's sporadic. It's not I mean, if it happens once, time. Yeah, if it happens once a week or once a month, no, you're probably not going to find it until it gets worse. If it happens every day, then, yeah, they could test for it. The problem with any electrical circuit is they go in, you can run every test in the, in the world. If it works, it works. It's just all for all, zero one. So right. if it's a problem that only occurs every once in a while, you're going to almost have to wait until it gets worse. Again, sort of like I talked to the first customer, if you can get to the starter on this thing, Next time it does it, when you turn the key and it clicks, just continue to hold the key over if you can. Don't release it. Get somebody to go out there and just tap that starter with something and see if it immediately starts. If it does, the starter's bad. Okay. All righty. Okay. Uh, thank you. Okay, Bruce. Yes, Bye-bye. sir. All right. If you want to be part of the automotive, right, we'd love to have you. And we got Troy online. Good morning, Troy. Good morning. How y'all doing Doing today? great, sir. Good morning. Good. I've got a 2003 Chevrolet Silverado 5.3 motor in it. Uh-huh. And my oil pressure gauge does not work. Okay. 
and I had someone tell me that it was a good shot at being an oil sending unit that had gone bad. Well, let me actually just try it. As there's two main problems we see a lot with that. Generally, when the sender unit goes bad, when the oil pressure drops out, the little chime will go off, ding, 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 to tell you the oil pressure's out. Okay, I've if, never heard that. Okay, if the chime is not going off and the oil pressure's dropping to zero, and if yeah. it reads real high sometimes and it just kind of goes all over the place, well, no, what it does, it'll be on zero when mm -hmm. the truck's off. Right. And as soon as you start it, mm -hmm. it goes to 80, and it stays at 80 the whole okay. time. It, okay. it doesn't move. Yeah, and most likely that is going to be the instrument panel cluster. The gauge itself is bad. Now, how many miles do you have on it? 124,000. Okay. That was under recall from GM up to 70,000 miles. Unfortunately, well, after 70, it won't won't cover I actually it. had them change it mm -hmm. at about 75,000 because my speedometer uh -huh, would say uh -huh, 70 right. and I was not moving. Uh -huh. And they, I had to send it to them and they right. changed it. But the, the oil gauge didn't do this until probably about maybe 15,000, 10,000 miles ago. Right. Like but see, if they gave you back the same instrument cluster you had before. All they did was fix the yeah, speedometer. Yeah, all they did right. is they got a stepper motor in there that's bad. And okay. if they put the same ones back in there, it's just going to happen again. I mean, okay. they're not looking to get you fixed. They're looking to get you out of their hair. Right. Now, right. we can rebuild that step motor. At Agco, we rebuild those in-house, and we use the upgraded step motor that solves the problem. So it's a one-day deal. You drop right. your car in the morning, right. or your truck in the morning, and that pick afternoon it up, you pick mid, it up. Midday, we'll have it done, and right. the other thing's about half the price of what they charge. But that notwithstanding, the, the sender unit could be the problem what you could do, Troy, that sending unit is a little bit difficult to get to because all the way in the very back of the motor. But next time, or if it does it every time, you can, anytime, go and unplug the sending unit and see if the gauge drops back to zero. Okay. If it does, then most likely it is a sending unit. If it okay. stays over all the way, then it's more likely to gauge. And those okay. sending units are a little bit pricey. I want to say they're about 80 bucks, and yeah. they're kind of hard to get yeah, to. Yeah, they're not real easy to get to. Yeah, it was about $100 everywhere I checked. Yeah, right. it's about right. normal, but we change an awful lot of those sending units. We really do. They go out a lot, but I wouldn't want to see you go change sending units and still have the same problem and blow 100 bucks. Right, so, right. I appreciate it. Yeah, it probably needs a little bit of diagnostic work there, and if you don't want to do it, I mean, you could take it to us, and we could test it for you and tell you, I mean, I could fix either thing. Okay. All righty. I'm going to get on your website, and I'll uh, okay. contact you all. Sounds good, man. Thank you. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. If you want to be part of the automotive hour. And let's see, we have got SJ has been patiently holding. Good morning, SJ. Hey, Lou. How you doing? Today? Great, man. All right. I got a 2000 Avalon. Uh -huh. Kind of like got, whenever I crank it, it's got like a, a vacuum leak kind of sound into it. But whenever I put it in drive, it goes, you know, I don't I don't hear it hmm. as much. I mean, I don't know if it's kind of like transmission. Could be. Could be an accessory. Really would need to kind of hear it to tell you for sure because so many things, I mean, basically anything that's turning, can make a sound now if you accelerate the motor sitting there in park does the sound go up and down with the speed of the motor yeah okay the only other thing i can think of is if you try shifting it through the gears and see if the noise changes mm -hmm. if the noise does not appreciably change other than the fact that the motor's slowing down a little bit when you're shifting it in the gear then more likely it's going to be an accessory on the motor if the noise changes drastically like say it gets real loud in reverse and goes away in drive or something like that then more likely it's transmission related. Mm -hmm. And either one can do that. And sitting still would almost have to be either the motor or the transmission because, of course, obviously the wheel bearings and the dry sheds and all that are not turning. Right. Uh -huh. Easy way to, to decipher that would be to take the accessory belt off, crank it up, see if the noise is still there. If the noise is gone, 
then it's probably going to be an accessory on the front of the motor. Right. You, you can basically just take the serpentine belt off real easy and can't run it very long, obviously. Right. But if you take it off and crank it up and the noise is gone, then more likely it's going to be an accessory on the motor. Now, the noise is still there. It doesn't mean it's not because on that one, the water pump is under the timing exactly. cover. And it's driven by the timing belt. Right. And it's possible you could have a bad water pump or you could have a belt that's rubbing on the timing cover slightly or something like that, although that's fairly rare. Mm-hmm. More likely, it's going to be something on the outside. Now, if you take the belt off, the noise is still there, and it's not the water pump or the time belt or any of that, then more likely it is transmission. But I would think shifting it from gear to gear would affect the noise. It may not make it go away, but it should affect it. It should change it. Okay. All right, Lou. I appreciate it, Okay, man. man. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. You want to be part of the automotive hour? We would love to have you. we got to take one more quick little break. Steve, Bobby, Jim, hang on. You guys will be straight up after this break. Hi, Ryan Sebring here, and welcome to Agco's Automotive Idol, where singing cars compete for your votes. Here's King Cab. My owner took me to Agco for losing my cool. She trusts those ace technicians because she ain't no fool. Well, they fixed my radiator and everything. Now I'm rolling down the highway like I'm a king. Agco rocks and Agco rolls. Agco is the place to go. Agco rocks, Agco rolls. Agco is the place to go. Whoa, rock on, King Cap. And visit AgcoAuto.com. That's A-G-C-O-Auto.com. To hear entire songs performed by all our contestants, then vote on your favorite. And remember, for vehicles fixed right the first time for the overall lowest cost, Agco is the place to go. Hey, welcome back. Please join us. This is the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Alvazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? And we're going line with Steve. Good morning, Steve. Good morning, sir. Yes, sir. First time listener, first time caller. Well, thank you. I a 99 Ranger at mm-hmm. home. Okay. I work for a, a truck rental uh, company, and we have several mechanics, all of them good. They, one of them came to my home, crawled under, my, under, the, under the truck, mm-hmm. took a few pieces apart, you know, diagnosed it, saying that I need a crankshaft and an oil pump. What's and it actually that, doing, Steve? What kind of problem are you having? Well, my son driving it one day several years ago, mm-hmm. and the thing did... He didn't rag it, wasn't speeding or anything, and the thing just suddenly died in the middle of the road. He coasted to a stop. Uh-huh. That's, that's basically what happened, and it has sat in my driveway for uh, three years now. Okay, when uh, you start the now, motor, does it knock or rattle, or will it start at all? Or will it start? It'll turn over, but it will not start. Well, see, I don't uh, think a crankshaft would keep uh-uh. it from starting. It would start, but it would knock or rattle or something like that. I believe I'd want to get a second opinion on that, Steve. And I'm not saying the crankshaft isn't possibly burned up. It could be. But you may have a more involved problem. The last thing you want to do is tear that motor down and put a crankshaft and oil pump in and it still won't start. Would you because, recommend see, a possibly change the engine? Well, well we, we, need to figure out. Not start. <laughs> we need to figure out why it won't yeah, start. Yeah, you got to diagnose the problem before. It's kind of like guy goes in and says, man, look, I got a problem. And Doc, first thing you do is cut you open. We're not going to do that. We've got to find out what we're looking for. Because let's say you got a bad computer, and that's or, all. Or a bad crank sensor. Yeah, a bad crank sensor, and you put an engine in there, and it still won't start. Yeah. You see, you got to diagnose the problem. You're going to need to get this to somebody who can diagnose it for you, tell you this is what's wrong with it. Now, if the crankshaft were burned up, yeah, I'd put another motor. I wouldn't No, I wouldn't go into that. building one. 
because if a crankshaft goes out, it's putting metal all through that engine, and you probably got a bunch of miles on it anyway. I don't think it would. Yeah, it wouldn't make sense to go in and put a crankshaft in an engine that age. And right. it doesn't mean you got to put a rebuilt motor or even a new motor or anything like that. I mean, you could probably find a used motor with a lot lower miles, put that in there. But, again, if you don't diagnose a problem, I've seen this a million times where people will have a transmission problem, for say. And first thing they do, they go get a transmission put in it. Well, guess what? They still got the same problem. They can't figure yeah. out why. They can't figure out why because it's the control you know, issue from the outside. All you do is replacing parts and not really correct. Well, that's part. right. I mean, you're throwing, you're throwing parts at a symptom, not a problem. Well, it's kind of like I always tell people. Why not go get a valve stem cap and put on there? It ain't yeah. going to fix it, but at least it don't cost a whole lot, you know? <laughs> gotcha. So, yeah, you're going to have to find out why it doesn't start. Because just a bad crankshaft, if, say, the crankshaft was burned completely up, it would still start. It just would rattle and knock and make noise. It wouldn't keep yeah. it from starting. Okay. All righty. All right. Well, I appreciate your help. Okay, Thanks Steve. Much. Thank you, man. Bye-bye. Right, if you want to be part of the automotive hour, we'd love to have you. And we've got Bobby online. Good morning, Bobby. Hey, Lewis. Hi, Brian. How you doing? Good hey, morning, sir. sir. Oh, I'm still writing down the valve stem cover thing. I like it, Lewis. <laughs> but at least it's cheap. Yeah, that's, that's right. It. Well, like I said, go get one of those little Christmas trees and hang them by your rearview mirror. That's right. It don't cost much. At least the car smell good. You know, it right. still won't run, but that's right. You ain't gonna run either way. <laughs> Plus, if you go to the right store, you can get a skull and crossbones. That's right. There you go. Get something cool. Thing. You know. <laughs> uh, call I got today, Lewis. I got a, I got some friends that uh, don't use their cars much, and I'm uh-huh. afraid they're sitting there going away. Uh, one guy's got either a 2008, 2009 Toyota. He goes to start it the other day. The the uh, battery's weak yes, because uh-huh. he doesn't use it. Okay, right. first of all, Altazan's rule: thirty six months. That's it for a battery. Is that Pretty right? much, yes, sir. Some are going to last a little longer than that, Bobby. But yeah, but if they live it on more time, like eighty two. Yeah, the cost. I mean, a guy eighty two, he gets out there, he needs that car. Right, exactly. He's got a problem. Right. So yeah, I would definitely put a battery in it if it's more than three years. Okay, and Lewis, how often should he? How much should he drive or use that car to keep it from? Hurting itself. You know, you He's, talk about uh, cars just to let them yes, around. It's the worst thing. He needs to put probably 20 miles twice a week at a time. I got you. You know, two 20-mile yeah, trips. one mile at a time. I no, 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 no. Not one mile for 20 days. Right. <laughs> yeah, he needs to go out 20 miles two times a week. Okay. And that will keep it pretty much running forever. But what happens when he cranks it up and he drives it about two or three miles got, or he lets know, it sit yeah. idle, yeah, he's, lo- he's losing ground. That alternator can't put that power back in that battery, so it's steady losing ground. Right. I've been telling these guys, uh, tune into this show, man. I said, first of all, you're an older guy. you got nothing to do on Saturday morning. <laughs> Listen to the show. and then Because right. uh, they do the same thing. And let me tell you, when an 82-year-old guy is missing his car, it's mm-hmm. different from a 28-year-old well, guy. Well, you're right. You're exactly uh, right. We've got an awful, awful lot of elderly customers. And you could technically, you could even have a fatality. If, exactly. Let's say they wake up at exactly. night, need to get to a doctor, need to get to a hospital, and that right. car doesn't run. That right. could be a big issue. That's exactly right. So they've got to have a car that's dependable. And that's exactly that right. batteries are real cheap. I'll tell you what, exactly. Okay, so it's, and, oh, and Brian, you had a saying, the heat does something, but the cold kills them. The heat weakens them, but the cold finishes it. The batteries? Yeah. Yeah. And the, it, batteries die in several different ways. Yeah, the heat actually kills them, but the cold is going to show you, is going to deliver right. it. It died during the summer with the heat, but the cold the cold's is going to bring reveal it out. It. Okay. All right. You guys keep up the good work. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, Bob. Bye-bye. All right. You want to be part of the Automotive Hour? We'd love to have you. And we've got Brian on the line. Good morning, Brian. Hey, how you doing? Doing great, good morning. sir. I'm going to see if y'all are good marriage counselors. <laughs> my wife might argue that with you. <laughs> what I got is we got a split family. I'm a GM person, and my wife's either a Honda or a Toyota. <laughs> I'm with your wife already. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, those cars never break, mm-hmm. and we've been together since 84. Yep. And so with these cars never breaking, 
we had to find somebody a little cheaper than the dealer to work on uh-huh. because the dealer's pretty expensive. And where we're at right now is she has a 99 Toyota RAV, mm-hmm. and the water pump was leaking. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Well, when you do the water pump, obviously it's time for the timing belt exactly. and the front seal. Correct. And so I brought it to the mechanic we've been using for years, and he specializes in Toyotas and Hondas. Mm-hmm. Okay. But he's getting older, and it also had a rear seal leak. Okay. Well, he didn't want to mess with it. But since we've been using it for years, I kind of strong-armed him into it, you know, and mm-hmm. said, hey, come on, do this for us, you know. So he yeah. did. Well, when he put it all back together, when he got it home, when it's cold in the morning, you put it in reverse, it sounds like, and I put it up on ramps, dustpan is rubbing on the torque converter. Yes, yeah, sir. That's it's fairly possible. simple to fix. Okay. Uh, Tremish didn't have to come back out if that's what it is. Well, good, because, I, you know, I know it's it because you can put your hand and yeah, change the sound. Yeah. Well, Brian, that's fairly common because those things move around and they flex a good bit and they run real close. So if something didn't get stabbed just perfectly right, it may flex on in and rub. But that's generally just going to be a matter of pulling that cover off, straightening it out, and putting it back on. That'll generally alleviate that without having to pull the transmission back out. All right. Well, that sounds good because I looked up under there, and he, it looked like he left even actually a couple bolts out. Yes, of sir. It. Mm-hmm. Well, it's probably out of his field. Yeah. I got one guy at the shop that does nothing but transmissions. Josh Wilson is a transmission guy, and he's real good at that. And we give him all the rear main seals just because he's used to pulling transmissions in and out all day long. So if you've done the job a hundred times, it sure makes it awful lot easier than. And you know, some shops that just don't do that kind of work. It's kind of a bear. Well, I looked under there and with the cross member mm-hmm. in the way and all. It, yeah, it's not easy to get out. So y'all do handle that kind yeah, of stuff. Yes, sure. It doesn't sound because when the car warms up, yeah, you put it in reverse. Well, it doesn't make a noise the shield at all. probably gets hot and it just kind of expands on out and pops out of the way. Yeah, but I can't imagine that being too big of an issue. All right. Well, we might call you tomorrow and. Okay. Uh, well, not get, tomorrow. Call me Monday. Yeah. Well, yeah, Monday and get an <laughs> appointment set up. Sure, that'd be great. Okay, then. Thank okay, you. man. Thank you. Bye, bye. Right, if you want to be part of the automotive hour. And we've got John on the line. Good morning, John. Hey, I've got a 06 Ford F-150 okay. with 80,000 miles uh-huh. and a 4.6 liter V8 engine. Okay. And I was doing just changing oil and stuff, and I figured I'd change out the PC valve. Okay. And so I got it from the dealer. It's a plastic part, actually. Yes, uh-huh. And the one that's in my engine right now is original equipment. It's yes, got 80. Uh, so what's the best way to, to break that? It, it, you know, it's designed like almost like a spark plug to come out of the valve cover. I didn't know if you guys had a suggestion on the best way to take it out. They Generally, you can just grab them with your hand and twist it a few times. It'll pop on out. It doesn't have water lines going into it, does it, or electric wire going to it? No. Okay, because no, Ford, yeah, Ford uses three different PCV valves. One is a water heated. It's got two little lines and two coolant lines that go in. The other one is an electrical one, which is electrically heated. And some of them is just a standard old plastic PCV valve that plugs into a grommet. We generally, since we're going to change it anyway, just take something like a pair of slip joint pliers, grab it, twist it a few times. It'll normally come on out once it breaks free. And, I mean, I wouldn't do that with a brand new one, but since you're changing it anyway, no big deal. Okay. And I have a question. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, tell me about this mass airflow sensor okay Would, well uh again i'm just doing some basic maintenance and yeah. I, I had read up in a change repair manual about cleaning it or replacing it you're best off not to fool with it john unless there's a problem and if there's a problem it'll be something like a code po174 po171 or po i think 109 if you're not getting a check engine light and the vehicle's running okay leave it alone because it is extremely easy to damage that thing cleaning it and it's an extremely expensive part 
So I would just leave it alone. Technically, as long as you use a good air filter and keep it clean, it's going to last pretty much the life of the car. Good deal. That's, All right. Uh, yeah, and I change out the air filter regularly. Yes, as well, sir. So. And I would use a Motocraft air filter. Now, some of the aftermarket stuff on it is just absolute junk. Right. It doesn't fit the box real well, and the air leaks around it, and the, the pores are actually bigger. Right. The rubber is substandard. It yeah. cracks and gets gaps in it. I mean, if you go to my site, there's an article in there on air filters that shows a couple of them like that. You're sucking dirty air into there, and that kind of stuff is what tears up air flow meters. Gotcha. Well, appreciate the, the advice. Okay, John. Thank you, man. All right. Bye-bye. All right, if you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we're going to take one more quick little break, but we'll be right back. Pete, Mark, hang on. You guys will be straight up after this break. Hi, I'm Ryan Sebring, and welcome to Agco's Automotive Idol, where singing cars compete for your votes. Our next contestant, Ms. Crown Victoria. Mm, so I got some junk in my trunk, but why you want to treat me so bad? Took me to a repair shop, the worst I ever had. My new owner brought me to Agco, they do me right. No shimmy or shake, I run straight through the night. Got off running alignment and my ride is so smooth. The guys at Echo, they gave me back my groove. Got off running alignment and my ride is so smooth. The guys at Echo, they gave me back my groove. Give it up, folks, for Miss Crown Victoria. And visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-Auto.com. Hear entire songs performed by all our contestants. Then vote on your favorite. And remember, for vehicles fixed right the first time for the overall lowest cost, Agco is the place to go. the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Altazan, president of Agco Automotive. Got my co-pilot, Mr. Brian Terry, right here beside me. Between two of us, I believe we can answer just about any questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? And we've got Pete online. Good morning, Pete. Hey, look, got an O3 model to protege. Uh-huh. And I'm losing like three-quarters between all changes. Okay. Checked all the seals, checked everything. Yes, sir. went all gone. Well, if you're using that much oil, Pete, it's probably going to be the engine burning the oil, and you won't see a cloud of smoke like you used to simply because that engine has catalytic converters on it, and they're going to burn up those vapors before they get out to the tailpipe. The way that that would have to be diagnosed is you would bring it to someone and let them do a compression test on the engine, but not just a regular compression test. A regular compression test is where you take all the spark plugs out, block the throttle body over, screw a gauge into the cylinder, and crank it over three, four times and record the reading. That's called a dry test. After you get through and you record all your readings, go back and take a little bit of light oil, say some 5W30, pour it down each cylinder, and do the test over again. If the reading comes up significantly, then it's probably got either stuck, broken, or worn out engine rings. See, the oil will temporarily seal that ring and bring the compression up. So if the reading jumps up by 20 pounds or so when you do that, then you know you've got an internal engine problem. Now, if the compression stays about the same, then more likely you're going to be into something like valve guide seals. That's a rubber seal at the top of each one of the valves. And what happens, because oil kind of tends to fill up the cylinder head on the top where the valves are at, the intake valve has vacuum on that stem going up. And there's a seal there to prevent that. But over the years, those kind of tend to dry rot, crack, even fall off. Well, now the oil hits a vacuum, it sucks it right on down into the engine and burns it. Okay. Now, what you could watch for, if that's the case, when you first crank the car up, you might get a puff of white smoke because the converter hadn't gotten hot enough to fire off yet, and it, it, it'll let it on out. But just kind of notice the next few times you start it, if you get a 
in the morning, first thing, you may not do it because all oil is drained down. But let's say you crank it up, go to the grocery store. When you come out, let it sit there maybe 10 minutes. When you crank it, see if there's a little puff of white or blue smoke. And if there is, it's most likely valve guide seals. All right. Thank you, Okay, man. Thank you, Pete. Bye-bye. All right. You want to be part of the Automotive Hour? And we got Mark on the line. Good morning, Mark. Hey, good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. My exhaust in the truck was all stock until I put a Magnaflow catback exhaust on yes, there. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. A couple of days afterwards, I got a check engine light, okay. 420 yep. code. Cat efficiency. Uh, yeah, and it says possible air leak in exhaust before rear oxygen sensor, which is kind of what I'm feeling is the strongest cause. And I wanted to know, can I do something cheap to put the original exhaust back on it? <laughs> no, I don't have it. That's not an option. Though. That's yeah. the thing. See, what can happen on that thing, Mark, is that when you put that exhaust on there, you decrease the back pressure in the system, which is kind of sort of what you want to do anyway. But that also allows the air to flow through that converter faster than it was flowing at stock. So it may not, the cats, let's say they were a little weak, but they could still meet the specs. But then you go and you put a big old system on there like that and allow the air to rush through faster. It can't treat it fast enough, so it's flagging a PO420. Well, uh, it is a supercharged motor, Mm -hmm. and uh, given the number of possible causes, Mm -hmm. I'm having a hard time, and I know you guys are the ones to go to to help me, and I just just wanted to try, like, some economical attempts. Yeah, I don't know anything, Mark, other than, you know, if you had an exhaust leak before the sensor, you'd hear it. I mean, it would be making yeah. a bunch of racket. And so you didn't really change anything in front of the sensor anyway. You changed everything from the cat back. So well, I kind of sort of doubt that. But, I mean, check it and see if you hear noise back there, then, yeah, fix that, fix the leak and hope for the best. Well, I mean, is there a chance you couldn't hear it? I <laughs> doubt it. I mean, any leak small enough where you couldn't hear it is not going to affect that sensor that much. Right. Anything in the exhaust, a leak in a pipe, you're going to hear it. Yeah. At one point or another. Because it would have to be before the sensor, which would be unmuffled noise. Well, what if it was immediately? Like, in other words, I wouldn't know what to compare the noise to because the new sound of the new exhaust is not something I've heard without Yeah, a but leak. it's not going to sound like that. It's going to sound like a leak. You know, it's going to be a tick, 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 tick kind of a noise. You or, ought to be able to get under it with an, at an idle. Yeah, I would think and so. And listen. I would think you could hear that. I mean, I really, I really kind of doubt that's going to be it. Oh, man. Because I'm trying to get an inspection sticker the yep, right yep, way. Yep. And my gut's telling me there's nothing wrong with anything. It's mm. just those flanges don't meet together, the aftermarket in the factory. And I, and I just felt like the, the air leak would be a good place well, to start. Well, possible. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't rule it out, but it, I just think you're going to hear it You know, a lot. Light. It'll be very noticeable normally. I mean, I'd take it back to whoever put the exhaust on and see if they can maybe weld the flanges together or something. That yeah. would eliminate the problem. See, I don't even have the old exhaust anymore, and that's kind of why I'm up in a bind. And yeah, it's like you got kind of between a rock and a hard place there. Yeah, well, I just, I just, I wish I had some kind of direction to go with it. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, I don't know. Well, I mean, what would you guys like? Just say I brought it in. I mean, no, I don't fool with anything that's been modified, Mark. You got to oh, find somebody who does custom work. I see. I see. Okay. It's, if it's an exhaust leak, any muffler shop can help you with that very easily. I mean, that's relatively inexpensive. What they may be able to do is simply cut the flanges off and make you a connector pipe to connect the two oh, and really? put two clamps on it. Yeah, right. the muffler shops can do all kinds of stuff like that if it's a, if that's a problem. But I really doubt I that's going to be it. Hear it. Hmm? Yeah, I think you could. I think you could. Yeah. Well, because I, I kind of had the idea that the Toyota specs were so tight that they'll pick up even the slightest. No. No. Mm-mm. No, it would no. have to be a change between the front sensor and the back sensor, which you didn't even mess with anything in that area, I wouldn't assume. No, sir. See, what is good? Said it, you could wrap something around that flange. <laughs> I mean, like a. Uh, man, I, 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 I hear stay. what you're trying to say, Mark, but man, I, thought, I, don't, I wouldn't count on it. I mean, I'd take it to a muffler shop and give them a look at it and see what they. You know, at least, see if it's got a leak in it. Yeah, at least give them a check and see if it's a leak. They can tell you that. Probably won't even charge you anything. 
Really? Take yep. it back. Take it back with the guy that put the exhaust on it. Yeah. Yeah. Take it back to him. See if it's yeah. Just say, hey, let's check have a leak. You know, check it. Check it for a leak. Not very yeah, difficult. And, I, and I'm totally not blaming him. I mean, I just yeah. think it could be, you know, just a nasty weld. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. I really, it. really, really doubt it. Most likely, it's a sense was already borderline, but able to make up. When you put the exhaust on there, you just increase the flow through the converter, and it just can't make up anymore. Yeah. All righty. Well, gentlemen, I sure do appreciate. Thank it. you, Mark. All right, sir. Came in. Bye bye. Hi, if you want to be part of the automotive hour, we'd love to have you. And we got John online. Good morning, John. Good morning, gentlemen. I've, yes, got, a, I've got an 09 Camry uh-huh. that I took in to the dealership uh-huh. for its oil change okay. and tire rotation sure. at, thir- at 39,000 miles. Okay. And you tell me that my water pump is leaking. Wow. And hmm. they said that the good news is it's under warranty, so okay. they're, they're going to take care of that. Yes, sir. Then they tell me that my struts are leaking. And that's not under warranty and about $690. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I tell you what, John, what I would want to do is get another opinion on that from somebody that I knew I could trust. And I'm not saying they're lying. I'm just saying a lot of people don't really know how to check struts. Toyota states that a strut with a little bit of oil around the seal is perfectly normal. If it's not running down the side of the strut and dripping on the ground, it's not leaking. They okay. will lose a certain amount of oil past the seal. And if you go on my website and do a search on shocks and struts, you're going to bring up an article with pictures and everything else. We get that constantly where people come in. They were told they needed struts. We look at it. It's got a little bit of uh, dampness around the, the strut yeah. seal. If they go back and read the Toyota manual or the Honda manual or the Chevrolet manual or the Dodge manual, it'll tell you that is perfectly normal. Yeah, that's pretty that much, does not mean the strut is leaking. Pretty much across the board. Right. All struts will lose a certain amount of oil. Some don't, but most do particularly if you drive on rough roads a lot, like where you're not going to ride on a rough road in Baton Rouge. Right. Okay, two other real quick questions. One, when they're changing that water pump, water, water, pump. Pump, mm-hmm. water pump, Yes, sir. do I have them go ahead and change the timing belt? Well, that one doesn't have a timing belt. On 09, you can have a timing chain, which chain. is going to be a completely different setup. Okay. Should they change that or no? No. No, no I don't no. think they even have to mess with that to change the pump on that one. Okay. And explain the difference to an idiot, what the difference between a shock and a strut is. I tell you what, why don't you go to my website and just search, just put in the word shock or the word strut, and it's going to bring it up with an explanation and pictures, pictures and everything right. else. Technically, it's sort of kind of interchangeable words nowadays. At one time, a strut supported weight and a shock didn't, but the words are almost interchangeable anymore. Okay. Jim, what is your website? www.agcoauto.com, agcoauto.com. Okay. I sure appreciate it. All right, man. Yes, sir. All right, John. Thank you, man. Thank you. Bye-bye. I, I tell you, we are just about totally out of time. That's I it. remind Nothing. everybody to go to the website, look around on there. Just about all the questions that you're going to have, you're going to find in the vehicle questions already been answered. And if you don't, you can look in the detailed topics or send me an email. I'll get you an answer back. Be sure you go to the new Automotive Idol part. And that, right at the very bottom of the menu, you can see Vote for Automotive Idol. Okay. And if you pop on there, it'll bring up pictures of each of the contestants with a biography. Tells you all a little bit about them, where they came from, what they are, their history, and so on and so forth. You can also listen to a full performance of each of the songs you hear in our commercials. A lot of fun. Sounds great. Yep, there you go. Go ahead and (laughs) and vote for your favorite idol. You can vote once a day, and we hope you vote often. (laughs) And we'll have a season finale. That's right. Hey, you want to tell everybody how much we appreciate them listening this morning, every Saturday morning on Automotive Hour? I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week also. Tell your friends, let's get some more people listening. That's right. Hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.